Just a heads up, this story is moving fast. We've got your back, but head to Slate.com for the latest. There's a word that gets thrown around a lot in journalism, at least in the last few years. That word is unprecedented. Most of the time, it's hyperbolic. History's gone on a long time. There's a solid chance the thing with no precedent has actually happened before. But on Tuesday, something happened in the House that actually was unprecedented. On this vote, the yeas are 216, the nays are 210. For the first time in the history of the United States, the House Speaker was removed. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Eight House Republicans joined more than 200 Democrats in ousting Kevin McCarthy. But the Democrats weren't the ones who called for his removal. That came from roughly a half dozen members of his own party, led by the far-right firebrand Matt Gates. Kevin McCarthy is a feature of the swamp. He has risen to power by collecting special interest money and redistributing that money in exchange for favors. We are breaking the fever. Now, the House doesn't have a leader. And no one's really sure what happens next. So we called up Todd Zwillick. He's the deputy D.C. bureau chief for Vice News. And while he agreed it was historic, he also said it wasn't surprising. Those of us who pay super close attention to the House, either out of professional obligation or political junkieism, sort of knew that this moment was coming. He says the reason McCarthy's ouster wasn't surprising has a little something to do with that word we were just talking about, unprecedented. We throw around unprecedented all the time because we're in the throes of of an anti-democratic authoritarian movement. There is a causal relationship uh, between those anti-democratic impulses and the fact that Kevin McCarthy is now um, no longer speaker in an unprecedented fashion. All of this drama playing out on television and, the, you know, unprecedented, the first time a speaker's ever been kicked out of office. And I think when you step back from it, the House Majority Republican Conference is in utter chaos. Putting aside Kevin McCarthy's vices or virtues as a speaker, vices or virtues as a politician, I think that you're seeing a movement led largely by chaos, largely by nihilism, negotiation and give and take which nobody loves to do in politics, but is sort of <laughs> sort of key uh, to, to the system working, um, many of them simply don't believe in it. Today on the show, how Kevin McCarthy lost the speaker's gavel and what happens while we wait for someone else to pick it up again. I'm Mary C. Curtis, in for Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Todd, let's start with the shutdown that wasn't. A lot of folks thought the government was going to shut down on Sunday. That didn't happen, in part because of McCarthy. So what happened? Well, what happened is Kevin McCarthy did the unexpected. He turned to Democrats for the votes to keep the government open. And instead of choosing a shutdown like Donald Trump was urging him to do on social media and many of the people on his right demanded, um, he made up the difference in the votes that he didn't have and he turned to Democrats to pass a bill, and and that was a no-no. That's what happened. So he teamed up with Democrats. He pushed through a continuing resolution. Was that arguably when his fate was sealed? No, I think his fate was sealed much earlier than that. I mean, that was the proximal cause, maybe. Um, But Kevin McCarthy's fate was sealed long before this when uh, a motion to vacate rule with only a a one-member threshold was instituted and Republicans made clear uh, for many weeks that Kevin McCarthy was, quote unquote, out of compliance. But if he knew that this might be the thing to push the caucus or the folks who were squeezing him over the line, why do you think he did it? That's a good question. At, At what point did McCarthy decide that keeping the government open was a lesser political cost than his than losing his own speakership. He may have well thought that he could fight it out, that he could keep the government open and fight it out with the conference and preserve the votes. But also, he only kept the government open for 45 days with this deal. Um, we all, and Kevin McCarthy, had he stayed speaker, would be back in the very same place because that continuing resolution that you mentioned is only a 45-day deal. We've known for many, many weeks, uh, months in fact, that this confrontation was going to force Kevin McCarthy to choose between keeping the government open on the one hand and risking his speakership on the other. In less than a day, Representative Matt Gates was vowing to remove McCarthy from the speakership. But as everyone knows, this isn't exactly the first time that Gates had McCarthy in his sights. How long has he been trying to give McCarthy the boot? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I think you take it back to January when... Matt Gates was one of the principal ringleaders of trying to keep McCarthy out of the speaker's chair. They went 15 rounds on ballots over and over and over as everybody watched on national television. These votes 
coming up and failing. Um, at, at one point, even though at one point, even that whole confrontation nearly came to blows on the house floor, people were so mad about it. So, um, like I say, this has been many, many months in the making. And I think you can trace it back to the, to the formation of the 117th Congress at the very beginning of January. Do you think McCarthy was thinking about support he had on Tuesday morning when he basically said, bring it? Literally, he said he'd bring the motion for recusal to the House floor that day. And I don't want you to have to get into McCarthy's head, but what's going on? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think uh, without getting into his head, and thanks for that, uh, I think it was McCarthy probably thought it was important for him to try to show strength, to try to, to try to telegraph confidence in a situation like that. Kevin McCarthy was already being criticized publicly by Matt Gates to get to this point. Oh, he made a secret deal with Democrats. He made a secret deal with Joe Biden over funding the Ukraine war to keep the government open. So we don't need a Republican speaker who's making secret deals with Democrats. Well, true or not, and it's probably true, but true or not, it doesn't behoove McCarthy to then go into this fight saying, well, I'm going to grab votes here and I'm going to grab votes there and I'm going to go and turn to the Democrats and ask them for votes and promise them things to get their votes. That's exactly the kind of weakness that he was being accused of, right? What do you think Hakeem Jeffries' play is? Does he have a plan beyond this vote? He's coming out of it looking, hmm, he kept the, the caucus together. Kept the caucus together, total unity. It made, it made all the sense for Democrats to just sit back and not say anything. You know, during the hour of debate before the motion to vacate, did you notice it was all Republican on Republican, for and against, Republican on Republican. Democrats didn't say a word. And you're right. I mean, Hakeem Jeffries certainly benefits from that. The plan, I, I think the plan now is to sit back, relax, and watch Republican chaos. Here's the next step. Who can get 218? What Republican can get 218 votes to become speaker? And that's, you, you'd be, Democrats would be crazy to try to help out in that process at this point. This is a Republican problem. This is Republican chaos. This is Republican dysfunction. Let them try to come up with 218. Maybe they can name a new speaker, you know, get it on a first ballot eventually after some time here. Maybe there's somebody who can, who can coalesce and solidify this uh, Republican conference behind them. It's possible, but I don't think you're going to see Democrats lifting a finger to help out because every day of news cycle of Republican chaos and Republican dysfunction is a good day for Hakeem Jeffries and a good day for Democrats who feel that they're pretty well positioned to potentially take back power after the 2024 election. After the break, what even happens in Congress when you don't have a speaker? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So with every House Democrat voting to oust him, all Gates needed was for four Republicans to join him in voting against McCarthy. Uh, you've talked about that he they got a little bit more than that. Uh, what was your reaction when the ouster came down? What, what, what did you think at that point? You know, we started off talking about unprecedented, and I've, you know, covered... I covered Capitol Hill for 20 years, and you've seen a lot <laughs> in that time. You know, in some ways, it wasn't surprising because we sort of knew where the votes were when the day started. Like, unless something changes, Kevin McCarthy is cooked by the end of the day. But that doesn't change the way it hits you when that gavel drops and you go, oh, my God, they did it. They did it. This has happened. The speaker has been ousted. Um It's also a little bit, you know, political drama is a lot of fun. I got a cop to it. I think that um, it attracts a lot of attention. And those of us who've spent a lot of time watching this, like, can't help but be sort of compelled by this drama. But let's step back from that. It is a little bit scary. It's never happened before. Um, Kevin McCarthy has been ousted after making enormous concessions to the MAGA wing of Republicanism. Let's not forget, after January 6th, Kevin McCarthy went on the floor and very clearly said that Donald Trump was responsible for the mob that descended on the Capitol. It only took a a few days for him to fly down to Mar-a-Lago to rehabilitate Donald Trump. Um, Kevin McCarthy made concessions like um, distributing Capitol Hill security footage of January 6th to Tucker Carlson, of all people. He's made enormous concessions to that. But the fact that all of that wasn't good enough, that in the end, he's still gone, because in the end, he still managed to not satisfy this uh, insurgent wing of the Republican Party, is, uh, it's, I'll admit, it's, it's disconcerting and scary. Even that wasn't enough. So where, where do they stop? At what point does this stop? Um, and I think it's something to ponder, especially as Donald Trump makes his move to grab the Republican nomination again while facing uh, 91 felony counts, including for trying to overturn the election. I, I don't mean to keep making it about Trump, but really, really, this is the backdrop of this. This is the backdrop of Kevin McCarthy's ouster. And, and um, yes, it's compelling, but it's, it's also damn frightening. Let's talk about his speakership a little bit. Is it a surprise that he lasted this long? Uh, somebody put it in terms of Scaramucci's, which I think, what's a Scaramucci? 10 days that uh, that Tony Scaramucci lasted in the White House. Um, so look, it's very, very short. It's it's a it's a housefly's lifetime uh, in terms of the speakership. And, and for, by the way, for as long as Kevin McCarthy has been gunning for this job, I mean, he has been wanting on this job for many, many years. I, I remind you of 2015, the first time McCarthy was supposed to become speaker and it fell apart on him when Paul Ryan eventually rose to the speakership during the rise of Donald Trump. Um, you know, he's been wanting on this for a very long time and it didn't last long once he grabbed it. Exactly. Nine months after the House began their speaker election, what kind of legacy does he ultimately leave here? Who knows? I think in many ways, when history writes this, 
Look, I think at this point, Kevin McCarthy's legacy, to the extent that he'll have one, is is inexorably tied to Donald Trump at this point. I think that history is going to see Kevin McCarthy as one of Trump's chief enablers. His speakership itself hasn't mounted to much, hasn't really mounted to anything. No, no buildings are going to be named after Kevin McCarthy on Capitol Hill. That I'm pretty confident in saying. Um, but if the Republican Party winds up cracking up and splitting up into a MAGA party and some kind of moderate pro-democracy faction, uh, or at least status quo faction of Republicanism, uh, McCarthy will certainly be one of the enablers who, who helped enable the crack up. I think history will see him that way, but I guess we'll find out. Speaking of replacements, the House now has a speaker pro tem, Representative Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. He's stepping into the role And he apparently was on a list of people McCarthy submitted to secede him in case of a vacancy. Who exactly is Patrick McHenry? He's a close McCarthy ally. So McHenry has always been um, not only a close McCarthy ally and insider, but a real strategist, a real loyalist, and they're real friends. Um, Those two guys really, really get along, and and they always have. So it's not surprising at all that McHenry was at the top of the list. McHenry is also um, a member who has mastery of the rules, a very strong understanding of how the House operates and where the constituencies are. By the way, that list is not just a Kevin McCarthy thing. That list is by law. It's a post It's a post 9-11 continuity of government device that was put in after 9-11 that if for any reason the speaker is incapacitated or, you know, can't, operate or, or, or heaven forbid, killed in a terrorist attack or something, that there would be this list of people who could continue the operation of the house immediately without having to have a protracted fight over it. So that's the function. And that's why we have Patrick McHenry now. Um, We'll see if he makes a bid for it. I don't know that he is, but it makes all the sense that McCarthy uh, wanted him to have the gavel if, if it ever came to it. In the meantime, can the speaker pro tem do whatever the speaker can how bad is it that there's not an official speaker? And who could end up with it, with the gavel? Well, I, I, I think under the rules, I'm actually not super familiar with the rules of the speaker pro tem because um, this hasn't happened before. My impression of it is the House continues to operate, which means the speaker pro tem has the powers of the speaker. Constitutionally, though, I don't really even know, you know, that the speaker of the House is a constitutional post. It's third in line to the presidency. It goes president, vice president, then speaker of the house. I don't know the answer, frankly, whether Patrick McHenry right now, if it came to it, would be the speaker for constitutional purposes. Um, they certainly can operate the house. I think politically, it's it's a little tough. It's very tough for the house to move major legislation um, without a speaker of the house who who has the center of power of the house republicans behind them right that's really what you need like it, it's it's one thing to say here's a caretaker who's going to make sure the gavel still drops if i can't serve or i get ousted or i'm in the hospital or something like that it's another to have a person who's consolidated support who has the momentum of the conference behind them who can go into negotiations with the White House and with the Democratic minority, frankly, with the Democratic-led Senate, with Chuck Schumer. You know, you can't do that with a slip of paper and a secret list. You have to do that with political support. Who does have that kind of support? Who's going to be wanting the gavel? 
Yeah, nobody, yeah, yeah, nobody really knows. Um, nothing is written, you know? So <laughs> again, unprecedented, nothing is written. So you hear other, you hear other names like Tom Emmer, uh, who's another name who seems to have broad support in the Republican conference. Steve Scalise, certainly, who is the majority leader. He's from Louisiana, staunch conservative, good relationships around the Republican conference. Um, part of the problem with Steve Scalise is that he's currently battling cancer. Uh, his prognosis appears to be relatively good, but again, um, he's not not at the top of his game in terms of his health. We just don't know. And also, you don't know because that Republican majority is so, so small. It only takes a couple of people who are dissatisfied or want to cause chaos to keep the chaos coming. So what we do know is Matt Gates has said he's not interested in being speaker. He tries to say, you know, hey, this isn't about me. He's throwing out names of a bunch of other people who'd be a great speaker, not him. So um, take him at his word, I guess. Matt Gates says he's not going for it. We'll, we'll see who can amass the support. So, Todd, what happens now? What will you be watching for in the days ahead? Well, you're watching for a couple things. Most importantly, you're watching for Republicans to start to coalesce around a replacement. Who is that? There's going to be an enormous amount of operating behind the scenes, coalition building. Uh, I guarantee you right now, people who want to be speaker are on the phone and texting their friends in the House Republican Conference and trying to amass that support. 218 votes. Um, then critically, if that person's name starts to float, uh, you got to see what Donald Trump has to say. Um, he doesn't necessarily have vertical lockstep control over the conference, but he has control over enough people in the conference that they can spoil this whole thing. You just saw that, really. So um, eventually, at some point, Donald Trump's say-so, whether he likes the person, whether they look good enough on TV for him, whether they're enough of a loyalist, whether they believe the election was stolen, whether they're willing to say the election was stolen on TV, I think that could come into it. And it sounds like I'm kidding, but Donald Trump is the putative head of this party, and he may demand those things in order to support uh, the person in front of the base who wants to become the next speaker. So those are some of the things I'm watching for. And the, whoever the person is that survives that gauntlet will have to figure out how to keep the government open, right? Yeah. I mean, that was only the, the avoiding of the government shutdown was only a 45-day continuing resolution. So mid-December, we're right back in, we're right back into this situation. And the situation hasn't changed. Whoever becomes speaker still, you know, it's it's fun and it's one thing to say, we're not compromising, we're, we're not backing down. Uh, our way or the highway. But that rhetoric runs up against the fact that there's um, a Democratic-led Senate and a Democratic-led White House. There is no way to keep the government open without bipartisanship. Literally the only way. That's how our government was largely designed to work. And that's simply the reality. So whoever the new speaker is has to, is going to have many of the same concerns you know, trying to straddle this world where Donald Trump and his followers are demanding chaos at almost every turn, attacking people in their own party like, you know, Mitch McConnell, who want funding for the war for uh, the Ukrainians against Russia, um, and uh, the need to avoid a government shutdown in December right before Christmas. So I don't know how that's going to go, but the fundamentals haven't changed. They haven't changed at all. Thank you, Todd Swillick, for coming on What Next? My pleasure. 
Todd Zwillick is the Deputy DC Bureau Chief for Vice News. That's the show. If you're a fan of What Next, the best way to support our work is to join Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Anna Phillips, Paige Osborne, and Madeline Ducharme. We're led by Alicia Montgomery, with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary C. Curtis, filling in for Mary Harris. Find me on Twitter. I'm at mcurtisnc3. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.